You are listening to Grace and Mercy Podcast. This podcast is for people, you and me, who want to know the grace of God and how it changes the way we interact with the world. I'm your host, author Darlene Bojek, and in this 29th episode, we are going to find out what the book of Philippians has to say about grace. We're going to do this episode a little differently. Normally, I go word by word to find the occasions of that word in the book. This time we're going to go chapter by chapter and to discuss uh, sequentially what the book of Philippians says about grace. Um, There are four chapters in the book of Philippians. And one, um, what I noticed is that the words are clustered. The words for grace are clustered. So we're going to take a look at that uh, sequentially in the book of Philippians. Uh, you realize, we realize that Paul developed the Christian concept of grace for us to understand. He, we didn't see a lot of the word grace in the Gospels um, because Paul was... Uh, And we know the word, uh, what the word grace means because of how Paul developed it and applied it uh, in in practical terms for the Christian life. So we're going to start with uh, chapter 1. Chapter 1, and as expected, the very first verses has the word grace. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay, we see the word charis right there at the beginning. Remember that charis is um, the Lord's favor, his freely extended favor, giving himself away to people. He's leaning toward him. Uh, he leaning toward his people. So grace to you and peace. We always see this expression, grace and peace. Um, And this podcast is called Grace and Mercy Podcast. We are in the plans. Uh, We are going to look through the word mercy. After we're done with Revelation, we're going to go back through and take a look at how mercy is used in the Bible. Um, But here we have the word grace. Um, Irene, the name Irene comes from uh, peace, grace to you and peace. Charis and Irene. Charis kai Irene means grace and peace. Um, This was a greeting. You remember that Jesus, when he appeared to the disciples after the um, resurrection, he said, Shalom. Right, So the shalom is, in the Christian greeting, grace is added to that shalom, which is um, that important in Christianity, the grace that is coming down. This, this charisma machine that we've been talking about coming down, the grace coming down and going out to, to others and going back up to God is, um, is part of the greeting. It became part of the greeting, so much a part of the greeting that in the Middle East, yes, they still do Selam here in Turkey. Selam, uh, Shalom is used in the um, kind of like an aloha in uh, Hawaii, which is just a loaded term. 
but Grace has uh, gone through the Latin-speaking world into words like gracias and um, and in the greeting here that we see, grace to you. Uh, the second occurrence of, of one of the grace terms is in Philippians 1.3 where we have eucharisteo. Remember, that means thanking God, thanking. And the verses 3, it says, Immediately after he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you all, making my prayer with joy. So here we have thanking my God and making my prayer with joy. And those are um, the word eucharisteo, which means giving thanks or good grace. You is good is a prefix for good. Caris is um, grace, good grace, and then dives right into kara, which is joy and grace recognized. And for new listeners, this um, this word um, kara kaido about grace recognized was used um, ironically in the Gospels um, most of the time. It's used as a reaction to seeing the grace of God. And one time it was ironically used in the book of Matthew when, um, when it shows the, the Pharisees or the temple um, of the temple where they rejoiced that Judas had offered to uh, give Jesus to them. And of course, the irony comes back upon us because we do rejoice that he gave himself the, the, the irony is that it actually was a favor from God, right? He gave himself, all the verses that he gave himself, he gave himself, he gave himself. And so Judas had surrendered, um, surrendered Jesus to, those, uh, to the Pharisees, and yet it was Christ giving himself. So we do rejoice, even though it was an ironic use of it. It is... Uh, it is the crux of our salvation, is that Christ gave himself. So, kara, kairo, joy. Um, uh, rejoice is kairo, and kara is the, the noun of joy. Grace recognized, verse 4. Okay, then we have verse 18, two times. And the word is kairo, the one I was just talking about. Verse 18 says, uh, What then? Only in that every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. So he's talking here in the context of people who, have, um, who are preaching Christ out of bad motives. And he says, I... Whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice, and I will rejoice. So the, the both of those, uh, one right after the other, is the verb of rejoice, or to delight in God's grace, to experience God's grace and be consciously glad for His grace. So if you want, um, I have some bookmarks on my website 
graceandmercypodcast.com if you want to download a bookmark that can uh, you can put in your Bible and take a look at these um, words and to remember these words whenever you are reading your Bible. Okay, next occurrence is chapter 1, verse 25, Kara. Chapter 1, verse 25. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. So this joy in the faith, um, you know, in the context of this, Paul is saying that he's going to be, uh, he had just said to live as Christ, to die as gain. I am living my life because if I come to you, the result will be your joy. So he is he is putting himself into this charisma machine that we call the, the functioning of the church is the charisma machine. The functioning of grace in the world is the church. You see, grace comes down, changes our lives. React, we react with thanksgiving and joy and giving grace to other people. And so Paul recognizes here that um, he wants to remain and continue with them for their progress and joy in the faith, for the grace that will be coming to them, the kara, the grace recognized. Last occurrence, a couple verses later, verse 29 says this, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. Where is the word grace there? It's the word karizomai, which is um, it is properly to extend favor, freely give favor, to grant forgiveness and pardon, favor that cancels, to do something pleasant or agreeable to one, to do a favor to or to gratify. And where did we see that? It says, for to you it has been granted wait a second didn't it just talk about some bad things going on so let's look at the verse again for for it has been granted to you that for the sake of christ you should not only believe in him but also suffer for his sake so hold your horses what is this kind of thing that's been granted that we suffer for his sake not only believe in him but suffer for his sake it says, the continuation of the verse, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Remember, he had just just a few verses earlier said it's um, to live as Christ, to die as gain. And remember that strange verse that we see, we rejoice in our um, suffering, right? The concept of rejoicing in our suffering by the way, that is Jarvis making his presence known here. Uh, Jarvis is our African gray parrot. So if you hear some clanking or some strange sounds, that is not my stomach rumbling. That is the, the, our parrot, Jarvis. So back to this concept of suffering and rejoicing in suffering. What role does suffering have? Now, I just heard a story this morning and it's strange that it took this many years for me to hear the story and um, 
and I will not belabor the point, but it is a really sad story. It occurred really close to us. Our friends are visiting us here in Izmir, and they went to Pergamum today. So they were doing some research about Pergamum. Now, in Pergamum, um, you recognize, you remember Revelation 2 talks about, it says, I know thy works and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, and thou holdest fast my name and hast not denied my faith, even in those days wherein Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. So um, Antipas, they, they were researching about this Antipas guy, who tradition holds was killed there in, and also is referred to in Revelation, was killed there as a martyr. And the traditional account says that he was um, martyred during the reign of Nero by um, being burned in a, a bull-shaped altar. So he was burned alive in a metal um, altar shaped like a bull where his sounds would be echoed out as he was dying. So he was killed that way. And why do I bring that up at this in this amazing podcast we're doing studying the Bible. Well, you know, how is it that we have these stories? Why do we have these stories of of death and martyrdom? You know, I thought this is a positive thing, the charisma machine, it's great, it's Thanksgiving, good things coming down, it's good things going out, it's positive, joy, thanks, giving, helping. And then we have this thing that's called grace. Um, being given grace that is um, given to us not just to believe in him but also to suffer for his sake. The long and short of it is we maybe won't know the full answer of why God plans for Christians to suffer but one of the things that we do see out of it that I've seen here in Izmir <clears throat> in Turkey is the the um when we see people we love suffering for suffering injustice just because of their faith in christ it makes um it makes us indignant and it makes our roots shoot down our feet you know in a sense our stability um our our roots shoot straight down and we stand taller uh, years ago, there was a killing here in 2007. Um, a friend of my husband's and two uh, people working with him in Malatya were killed um, by some extremists. They were slaughtered terribly. And um, when that happened, uh, we saw an interesting thing happen um, with our, ch our young fledgling church we saw people flee the church. They left. They could not stand the idea of, of the they're after us. And then we had another group of people who stood stronger and they they said, Here I am. You want you want us, you have to here I am. You know, they they were bolder and we're not going anywhere. You can't scare us away. And we saw this, um, we've seen this in the, in the, as the persecuted 
as a persecuted church of the world, we've seen that persecution either you know blows away the chaff in a sense or scares them away for a while or it builds people's strength so it actually um, there is a there's a, an expression that says the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church well what we've seen here in a sense it's like the oil of this charisma machine and um, you know ultimately any of us could die at any day from any number of sicknesses or diseases um, you know not all of them are pleasant uh, we could die from a car accident or from uh, cancer and some cancers are more painful and longer lasting or we could die from a stroke or we can um, have some sort of a ailment where we're in a coma for years we don't know how we're going to die but we know for a fact we will die and one of those ways of death is in God's wisdom is through suffering for the name of Christ so we're all gonna have to die and some of us will die that way uh, in the early church it was it was so noble that it was so honorable in a sense to be chosen to die as a martyr that people were kind of rushing to be to be identified as Christians because it it was um, it was an honor and we can't really understand that in this day and age as much because we kind of shy away from um, well I mean humans shy away from pain don't they but we as humans uh, we don't like the idea of death we want to live we want to live with our families and we want to live in our our nice houses with our pets and and our you know on our cappuccinos um, we like uh, leisure but alongside of leisure there is this this thing of um, of suffering and God sometimes ordains suffering for us for a season and so in all of this, um, this is part of the charisma machine where it says directly that it is granted to us for the sake of Christ that we suffer for his sake. And that word for granted to us is how God shows himself gracious. The definition charizomai, universally to show oneself gracious, kind, and benevolent. So let that work its way into your mind that the suffering for the sake of Christ is a way that he shows himself benevolent I think there's another way of seeing it you know when when a person chooses to persecute a Christian because I mean because of the charisma machine because this is all about kindness and goodness and and generosity and thanksgiving and joy and when they choose to like hurt that it actually shows goodness shines more and evil shines more right we see evil clearly in those moments we say hatred clearly because what they're stopping is a good thing right all right, I think we're going to stop there for episode 29. We will continue next time with the continuation of Philippians in 
uh, episode 30. Now let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the story of Antipas. We didn't know him, but he was a brother in the faith, and he, um, by living out the Christian life, he was targeted as an enemy of the world. And we, um, we feel for him, and we, um, we don't like the idea of, of a, a scary death like that, but we know that our love for you is so strong that if you um, grant it, that we should suffer for you, we will, um, we will at the same time be given the strength and the grace to be, um, to be able to face that difficulty. And even as we face the smaller difficulties of uh, sickness or harassment or just troubles all around us, we ask that you would give us the same kind of grace to uh, suffer well and to, um, to be rejoicing in our suffering. Pray this in Christ's name. Amen. This has been Grace and Mercy Podcast with author Darlene Bojek. And you can find the show notes for this episode, including links and the, a chart that shows all the uses of the word grace in the book of Philippians at graceandmercypodcast.com. We'd love to get a, a review on iTunes or Spotify. If you wouldn't mind, please um, go there and enter what you think about this podcast. It'd be really encouraging to me. And it would um, motivate me to keep moving forward on this podcast. All right. Take care. See you next time. Bye-bye.